You're listening to the Hui Kala Baptist Church Podcast coming to you from the heart of Honolulu. Hui Kala is a committed family of faith that loves Jesus and loves one another. Grab your Bible and prepare for preaching from the Word of God from Pastor Anthony King. Got your Bibles ready? Go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 5, if you would. It's where we find our uh, theme verse for the year. We took a look at it this morning. If you missed this morning's service, you'll be able to catch up on the podcast tomorrow. Uh, this morning's message will be different than tonight's message. And so uh, right now at Hui Kala, we don't have any repeating services. So Sunday morning is always different than Sunday night. Uh, Wednesday night's always different than Sunday morning and Sunday night. So three uh, separate services that we have, all with uh, different messages, uh, different opportunities to, to learn and grow in your faith. And so uh, tonight we find ourselves again where we were at this morning, but a different uh, message from this passage. Luke chapter five, uh, we're gonna start in verse number one. Luke chapter five, verse number one. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Now the lake of Gennesaret is also another name for the Sea of Galilee, uh, was more commonly known in some of the other passages of scripture. The Sea of Galilee, the lake of Gennesaret, same place. And saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. He entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. He sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, when he left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we've toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. When he had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. They beckoned unto their partners, which were coming to another ship, that they should come and help them. They came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished at all, the fi- all that were with him at the draft of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth, Thou shalt catch men. When they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. This is a unique uh, story that Luke tells here. It's a, it's a story that is not told this way in the other gospels that we have. Uh, other gospel accounts in Matthew and Mark, uh, Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee. He sees these men and he says, hey, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. The Bible says they drop their nets and follow them right away. Luke gives a little bit more detail than the other gospels do here. Fascinating things that Luke brings out though. Fascinating I find it interesting to hear, uh, if, you, if you remember, Jesus had 12 apostles, 12 men that would go with him, that would learn of him, that would, would uh, teach with him, that would minister with him, that would heal the sick, that would perform miracles, 12 guys that he called. And it's interesting that in this one place, the Sea of Galilee, on this one particular day, are three of those 12 men just right there together. Peter, James, John. That's three out of the 12. Interestingly enough, Jesus had three apostles that were really close to him, closer than the other guys were. You know who those guys were? Peter, James, and John. And all three of these men happened to be at the same lake, at the same time. They've just finished fishing all night. They've already left their boat behind. They're washing their nets. They're cleaning up. They're going home for the day at the exact same time that Jesus stops by for a visit and wants to share some truth. I don't know about you, but I don't believe that God does coincidences. 
I don't think anything happens by accident. I believe that God, in his sovereignty, brought Jesus to that point where three out of the 12 followers that he would have would be right there. Three of his closest allies over the next several years would be there, washing their nets, getting ready to go home after a day of work. And that's why I believe, beyond a shadow of a doubt, as we look at this passage of scripture, I'm gonna preach to you tonight a message entitled, Launching Out for Our Church. And I believe that God does everything in his sovereignty. His sovereignty means that he's always in charge of everything. That from eternity past to eternity future, God has an overarching plan that includes every single person and every single thing in the world. And even things that happen that seem to contradict God's rule are working towards God's sovereign overall plan. And God in his sovereignty on that day had three out of 12 men there at the Sea of Galilee and he called them to follow him and they did. And I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that God in his sovereignty has placed us here together. I don't believe that anybody is here at who we call a Baptist church by accident. I don't believe that at all. I believe that God in his sovereignty brings the right people at the right time for God's intended purpose. Now, can God's purposes be thwarted? For sure. The Bible says that God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants everyone to be saved, but not everybody's gonna be saved. Every person that's here tonight, God wants you to put down your roots and begin to grow here at Huicala for as long as you're here. And if as long as you're here is only a week or two weeks, put down your roots and continue to grow here. But maybe God's put you here for a couple of years. Maybe God's put you here for five or 10 years. Maybe God's put you here for the rest of your life. And I believe in, beyond a shadow of a doubt based on the sovereignty of God that every single person in this room is here because God has placed us here. We're not here by accident. God has a plan for us together. I don't, I don't know what the road ahead leads. As I prayed and I thought about what we, has happened in our church so far, as I prayed and I've tried to plan for the future, honestly, I can tell you this next 12 months, I have absolutely no idea what's gonna happen. I'm just gonna be honest with you. We have some goals, we have some direction that we're headed, it's the same direction we've been uh, going for the last five years. We're still gonna continue to pursue Jesus and pursue people because that's the mission that God's given his church. But honestly, I don't know what lies ahead, but I'm looking forward in great anticipation and great faith to what it is. I'm looking forward to the people who were on the video tonight seeing themselves next year and seeing where they've grown from then. And the people who were sitting here tonight watching a video and they say, I don't know any of these people that were on this video at all a year from now saying, hey, this is my family now. These are my people. These are the people that, that I get to do life with. I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is doing something here that you and I cannot even begin to fathom that he wants to do through us. But you see, while we only see what he's doing now, faith trusts for what lies ahead. These men that day, Jesus says, hey, I see you're washing your net and you're getting ready to go home, but don't go home yet. Peter, can I get in your boat for a minute and just push out for a little bit and, and share some truth out of your boat? And Peter goes, yeah, I guess so. And he did. After he'd done speaking, the Bible says, he said, hey, Peter, can we launch out into the deep? I want you to put your nets down and catch some fish. And Peter says, I don't, I don't really understand what's going on here, but we fished all night, we didn't catch anything, but because you said to, I'm going to, I'm gonna put down my net. And he did. Peter didn't understand what level of faith he had just putting that net in the water, what that would do for him in the future, he had no idea. He had no idea what faith crossroad he had come to that day when Jesus says, hey, push out the boat just a little bit further and let down your net. Peter didn't grasp at that point everything that would happen afterwards. 
And you and I cannot grasp what will happen with the rest of our lives, with the rest of Jesus' church here for as long as it lasts. What will happen if you and I just take a step of faith tonight, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday? I said this morning, I, I couldn't have fathomed what we're at, where we're seated today, five years ago. I thought God would do something good, but I never thought it would be this good. I thought God would do something incredible, but I had no idea how incredible that would be. You know what we did? We just took a step of faith and just trusted that God was gonna do something. And honestly, our, uh, if you go to our uh, vimeo.com uh, page, uh, that's where we upload all of our preaching videos and stuff like that, you can watch the year in review videos that we did every year. And it's kind of funny to look back at our year in review videos from previous years. It's like, you know, high attendance of 63. And we were so fired up about that. It's just like, oh yeah, that was awesome, you know? We baptized like six. It's like, that was incredible, you know? And it's just, and we thought, this is, this is as good as it gets. This is like top level. We have made it. But it's, that type of thinking is so short-sighted. Again, we can't look at the fact that we baptized over two dozen people last year and say, wow, we made it. This is a good place to stop for a minute. The average Baptist church in America last year baptized two people, two. That's embarrassing. Two people got baptized. I grew, now, I grew up in a church where people wouldn't be baptized for years at a time because the only people that ever got baptized were kids. Nobody ever shared their faith with a coworker who got saved and came to the church and got baptized. That never happened in the church that I grew up in. But then you think about the statistics that for every church that baptized four people, there was another church where zero people got baptized if it averages out to two. And so we can look at that and they go, whoa, we're doing great. We had two dozen people baptized in our little, little, little church, right? Guess what? We haven't made it yet. This is not the end. And here's the worst part about it. This is the worst part about it. We saw several dozen people saved last year. And I praise God for every single soul that found Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior last year. Man, that's as good as it gets. That's the best thing that you could ever do is lead another person to Jesus Christ. But, but, a few dozen people in a city of 400,000 is really kind of just not even scratching the surface. We have so much work to do. And you say, Pastor, do you really believe we can reach an entire city with the gospel? I wouldn't be here if I didn't. I really wouldn't. So well, how's that gonna happen? It's gonna require you and I to launch out, not once, not twice, but every single day for the rest of our lives. That's it. I prayed that God would allow me to pastor who we call a Baptist church for 25 years. I'll be 62 years old when that happens. And I, I pray that God will help me to be faithful every day and that in 25 years, we'll be able to see an impact in our community greater than what we have now. And let me just say this to you. If the people that are seated here tonight are just the same people that are here next year and we haven't reached anybody in 12 months, we really need to step back and see whether or not we ever launched out or whether we're still sitting on the beach waiting for somebody else to launch out. We have to continue with this mindset that there are more people that need Jesus and more work that we must do and that requires every single person to launch out. I don't know what lies ahead, but I know it's great things because I know this, God blesses obedience. Jesus told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and God's gonna bless our obedience. You say, well, I shared my faith with somebody who didn't get saved. Great, join the club. 
Here's an awesome thing that happened to me. I had a guy at the gym that I've been inviting to church for a really, really long time. He came to our Easter services probably three years ago. Uh, two years ago, he came for our Easter services. I was super pumped about that. Never came back after that. Wouldn't have a spiritual conversation in any way or anything like that. And so uh, this past year, October for open house, I had, um, uh, I, I didn't even invite him because the guy's been blowing me off for, for two plus years. He came once, he's never coming back, showed no interest in spiritual things. I never even invited him. Uh, I, I did send a text message, hey, we're having a big thing at church. I'd love to have you come. That was it. I never heard anything back from him. Never had a face-to-face invite. Never gave him a track. They said, hey, we're having this thing at church. I'd love you to come. No response whatsoever. Not can't, busy, nothing, just no response, total silence. One week before Christmas Eve this year, he sends me a text message and says, hey, are you guys having Christmas Eve services? And I said, we are. And he goes, what time? I said, 6 p.m. He said, we'll be there. Just like, wow, praise God. Just like out of the blue. So I began praying for this guy every single day that he'll come on Christmas Eve, uh, that he'll get saved, that we'll be able to grab lunch afterwards, be able to talk about the gospel and things like that. Pray, 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 pray. Christmas Eve comes. What do you think happens? He didn't show. So then I texted, hey, miss you on Christmas Eve. Hope everything's good. You know what I got back? Nothing. He said, well, that's a bummer. Hey, guess what? It's not my job to get results. It's my job to be obedient. And so as long as I'm obedient, God will take care of the rest. And so we cannot get hung up with this idea that it's up to us to produce. It's up to us to be obedient. And God always blesses obedience. And so while I do not know what the next 12 months hold, I do know this. If we are obedient to the Bible, if we put Jesus first and we preach Jesus every single Sunday of the world, God will take care of the rest. I guarantee you that. He's promised it in his word. And here's the great thing I love about this. You see, Jesus, God blesses obedience. You take a look at verse number six. And so when he had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. Now you see here, they put down a net and it broke, but it, and it looks like obedience, what Peter did, and it is to a certain degree. But if you look at verse number four, he said, now when he left speaking, he told Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets, plural, for a draft. And Simon said, we toil all night and take nothing, there less at thy word, I will let down the net, singular. He says, Jesus says, hey, put out the nets. And he goes, I'll put one out. How about that? Just one. And it, okay. Jesus said, I'll take that. And he put it down, and what happened to that net? It broke because there were so many fish. Now, now Peter's like, hey, let's get all the nets and throw those in this time, right? Again, just be obedient. There's gonna be times where God says, hey, throw all your nets in. And you're gonna be like, I just got through washing my nets. I'll give you a net. Just obey. I promise you this. You will never be disappointed obeying Jesus. There'll never be a time in your life where you'll be disappointed because you obeyed Jesus. I promise you that. There's been a multitude of times I've been disappointed because I disobeyed. There's never been a time where I've been disappointed when I've obeyed. And as we follow in obedience, Jesus brings more people to help. I love this story because Peter, thinking he's all big and bad, fine, I'll throw out a net, that'll be fine, throws in a net. There's so many fish that the net breaks. What does he do? He calls for backup. In verse number seven, they beckon under their partners which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And so they came and filled both ships so that they began to sink. I love this story because as we're obedient, Jesus brought other people along to help Peter haul in all these fish. Folks, I don't think it's a stretch to say this. If you and I are obedient to Jesus, he's gonna bring other people alongside us to help us get the work done. 
when I think about the work that we have to do in this city of 400,000 people and having a, a major impact with the gospel here, it's something greater than I can do on my own. It's something greater than we can all do even collectively together. But it's not too much for God to do. And there are people that weren't here this time last year that God's brought here because he wants you to launch out with us on faith to see a great, great harvest of souls come. I believe that beyond a shadow of a doubt. There are people that have left here and come back that God's brought back because God knows that we need the help. But if we just walk in obedience, God's gonna give us what we need to get the work done. He promises that. But we have to be obedient together. Final thought tonight, following Jesus requires a total commitment. verse number uh, nine, for he was astonished and all that were with him at the draft of fishes they had taken. And, also, and so also was James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. In this case here, Jesus says, hey guys, I want you to follow me. And they said, okay. And they left. I said this morning, they hauled in probably the biggest catch of their life in such a short period of time, ever guaranteed in that period of time, most fish they've ever seen in the fact that their ships began to sink. And you know what Peter, James, and John did? They said, later, guys. In Matthew's account of, of the calling of these disciples, it says that, the, that James and John were with their father and they were washing nets and Jesus said, follow me. And it says they straightway left their nets and followed him. Like, can you imagine? Like, they're there with their dad washing the nets, and Jesus says, come with me, and they're like, later, dad. And like, leave. And if he's like a dad like me, he's sitting there like, hey, who's gonna help me wash all these nets then? That's why I had kids, to help me wash nets, right? No, they just, they just left. You know why? Because they weren't ever planning on coming back and using those nets ever again. Fishermen back in that day, if their nets broke, you're, you're like out of work for the day. It's like a carpenter not having his toolbox with him. But you know what? Peter had a net that broke, and you know what? He probably just threw it in the Sea of Galilee and went on with his business because he wasn't ever going back to that net again because he was fully committed. Now, if you know the story of Peter, Peter did decide after he had denied Christ to go back and go fishing one more day. And Jesus says, Peter, don't do this. Come on back. But it requires a commitment on our part. You'll never see God work in your life in a massive way if you're marginally committed to the things of God. You'll see God work, but you won't see it work to the magnitude that God wants to work. God requires total commitment. I was talking with a young lady several years ago. She was a member of our church. She had committed to uh, being a church member, but her church attendance was sporadic. And I, I said, hey, I, I just encourage you to be in church every time you have the opportunity, every time the doors are open. And she says, well, show me in the Bible where it says you have to come to church every Sunday. Just so you know, conversations like that is never someone truly seeking truth. It's somebody usually trying to make a point in some way or another. And I said, well, I can't really say where it says that you have to go to church every Sunday, but I do know in the book of Acts, the early church, they gathered together daily and studied the Bible together. So I mean, I, there could be a case made to be here seven days a week if you want me to make that case. I could probably make that biblically, but that's probably not what you're looking for. And she said, well, you know, I just, I don't see where it has to uh, be that Jesus wants every Sunday morning from me. And I said, you're absolutely right. If I made you think that Jesus just wants your Sunday mornings, I have woefully misled you. 
You know what he wants from you? Everything. He wants your Sunday, he wants your Monday, he wants your Tuesday, he wants your Wednesday, he wants your Thursday, your Friday, and your Saturday, and he'll take your Sunday too. And she goes, well, that's a pretty high price. Hmm, careful, don't go there. A very high price was paid for your soul. Very high price. But the idea that, you know, being faithful to church or being faithful in my giving or faithful in my sharing of my faith is some huge sacrifice on our part as Christians is just a foolish concept. Because being a follower of Christ means I'm his lock, stock, and barrel. Everything I have belongs to him. And these guys here left everything that they had behind to pursue Jesus, and that's what he's asking us to do. And I'm telling you this, I have no desire to pastor a large church I have a great burning desire in the depths of my soul to pastor a group of people who are deeply in love with Jesus that greatly want to see massive change take place in the world by the way of the gospel. That's, that is the, the song of my heart. And I believe that we are those people. I know that I'm committed to that, and I'm going to ask you tonight for you to commit to that as well. I'm going to ask you to commit to this body of believers. This is my church. <laughs> we have folks visit who we call it every single week of the world that say, hey, we just moved the air. We're looking for a church. We found you online. We thought we'd stop by and check you out. I said, great. Uh, we're not the only church in town. Our church isn't for everybody. I, I tell them that up front. Uh, some people will find our church things that they don't like about it. That's okay. Our church is not for everybody. I get that. I do believe our church is the best church since the book of Acts. Uh, I do believe that. Uh, but our church might not be a good fit for you, and that's okay if it's not. And I often tell people, if who we call is not the right church for you, get to the church where you're supposed to be, put your feet down, put your roots down, and begin to grow and surf. Get there, get it done. But for folks that have been at who we call for some length of time, but have never really fully committed yet, I'd encourage you tonight, commit. This is where God wants me. This is where God placed me. I know beyond a shadow of doubt that God wants to use me. And you say, well, I don't know what the next 12 months is gonna hold. I don't either, but just let's launch out together. How about that? I love folks that, that aren't here for a very long time, but they still commit to Jesus' church. That encourages me. Uh, the, uh, Jim and Melissa Sablon, if you guys haven't met them, you gotta meet them tonight. This could be one of their last services with us. And Dell, uh, they've been with us for, uh, what, three months now or so? Three or four months, Jim and Melissa, about that. Something happened to them like two months ago. I was preaching on a Sunday morning, and I said, if you really are serious about your Christian growth, you'll be here every time the doors are open. They showed up that night on a Sunday night. First time they ever came on a Sunday night. Glad to have you guys here. They went to, to Connie O'Hill on a Tuesday night. They came here on a Wednesday night. They went on a Friday night to, to the Singles Bible Study. They showed up on Saturday for outreach. And I thought, my soul. And I said to Jim, Jim, what happened? And he goes, Pastor, you said if we were serious about growing that we'd be here you really listen to that? <laughs> it just blows my mind sometimes. People just really kind of take God at his word. And it's been an encouragement for me to see them begin to grow and they just want more and they want more and they want more. They've, they started discipleship. They said, we're only here for a short period of time. We want to get what we can from discipleship while we're here. That encourages me because there's people that have been a part of our church before who have said, well, we're only here for three years so we don't want to get too involved. You know, we're only going to be here for a really short period of time. Three years? You know what could happen in three years? You know what could happen in three months? So I'm gonna ask you, with whatever time God's given you here, I get it, we're a very transient city, I get that. But whatever time God's given you here, would you make this your church home? 
and commit to this body of believers and get connected to the family. And sometimes folks say, well, well, I don't want to make too many connections because it always makes it hard to leave. Hey, that's the price of admission. And, and know this. I hesitate to say this, but I'm going to say it tonight because I love you. The church is not about what you can get out of it. The church is about what you can give to Jesus through what he's given you. So maybe you don't need to make connections with anybody because you're good like you are, but maybe there's somebody else beside you that needs to make a connection with somebody. Well, I don't, I don't have, to, I don't have to, to serve. Maybe you don't have to, but somebody would be blessed by you serving. I don't know, I'm just asking you to commit. I don't know what the future holds, but I know this. If we all sit on the, the, the beach and hope that somebody launches out, we won't get anything done. But if we all make a decision, hey, we're, we got this. We're plowing forward together. We're gonna make it happen. Next, I'm gonna ask you to commit to being a productive member of this church. It's not enough to just attend church. It's not enough to just say that you want to become a church member. It's about being a productive member of the body. It's about saying, Pastor, I want to be used. And I'm telling you this, as a pastor, it's the greatest joy of my life to see Christians serve. I love my wife with every fiber of my being. And tonight, you know, she said, I said, who's in the nursery tonight? Because I felt bad for whoever's in the nursery tonight because we showed that awesome video. We're talking about our goals and I'm, I'm preaching an, awesome, uh, an encouraging message. Probably not an awesome message, but encouraging, right? You know, wouldn't that be tooting your own horn? Like, I preached an awesome message. Encouraging message to plow forward and stuff like that. So I felt bad for whoever's in the nursery. You know what my wife said? I'm in the nursery. How did you wind up in the nursery? She said, I put myself in the nursery because I didn't want anybody else to miss it. I thought, oh man, I love that. I love that heart that I don't want anybody else to miss what's going on. And I'm so thankful that we had folks who serve on open house Sunday in the nursery because they don't want anybody else to miss what's going on. It's that heart that's made our church great. It's that heart that's the heart of Jesus Christ. And it's that heart that will take our church forward by faith. But we can't say, well, praise God, Miss Angela's willing to watch kids, so I don't have to. No, we need to all say, what's my part then? Guys, we don't watch kids in, in the nursery. Simple as that. Then what's our part? What do, what do we gotta do? What's my role? Ladies working in the nursery is optional. You don't have to do it if you don't want to, but what's your part? What are you doing to make this the church that Jesus wants us to be? How are we involved? I'd encourage you to ask yourself that question. But this is really the heart of the message here. I want you in 2019 to commit to reaching others with the gospel. Everybody. It's a good thing if you can pass out a gospel track. It's a good thing if you can invite a coworker to church. That, that's awesome. I love it. But let's not stop there because most of the folks that you invite might never come to church and have the opportunity to hear me preach the gospel. They're gonna need you to do that. Are you ready for that? Are you prepared to share your faith with another person? I hope so. Then find somebody. If you say, Pastor, I'm really not ready. I need some help. Man, I'd love to help you. We have some folks in our church that are incredibly skilled at sharing their faith. I'd love to partner you up with them and go out with them on a Saturday morning and show you how it's done. Here's what we can't do. Sit back and go, whew, we're in a pretty good place. 
I think we're going to kick it neutral for a bit and just kind of coast for a while. No, 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 no. We're launching out. And we're not launching out into the shallow water. We're launching out into the deep water. And we're just going to obey Jesus and whatever he tells us to do. And we're going to trust him with the, with the results. But we're going to believe in faith that this year could be one of the greatest years we've ever had at Who We Call a Baptist Church. What's your launch out step? I asked you that this morning. What is it that God wants you to do? Maybe it's faithful Bible reading. Maybe it's faithful church attendance. Maybe it's your, your tithes and offerings and your giving. Maybe it's sharing your faith with other people. Maybe it's showing up on Saturday morning for outreach. Maybe it's joining a connect group. Maybe it's getting rid of some besetting sin that you have in your life that's holding you down, that's, that is like an anchor that's keeping you from being able to launch out by faith. I pray this every single day in my daily prayer list. I pray that God would raise up a man from who we call a Baptist church to go start another church on this island. And we would have the opportunity as a church family to give birth to another church by sending a man to another place on this island. Would that be you? I don't know. But I know that faith always pleases God every single time. The most important thing in the world, though, is if you're here tonight, you don't know for sure your sins are forgiven. That you can't launch out on a journey with Jesus unless you know for sure that he's your savior. There has to be a point in time for you where you've made a decision to follow Jesus, that you've been saved or born again, because the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and our consequences of our sin is death, we're gonna die and spend eternity somewhere. It's a point that the man wants to die and after that the judgment. We'll stand before God one day and we'll have to give an answer for our life. And it's not gonna be how good you've been or how bad you've been. It's a matter of what did you do with Jesus. Jesus came and died in your place to pay for your sins, but you must put your faith in him. If you're here tonight and you don't know for sure that heaven is your home, you're not 100% sure that you are saved, do not leave here tonight until you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that your sins are forgiven. I put my faith and trust in Jesus as a nine-year-old boy. I wish at nine years old I'd made a decision to launch out. I wish I made a decision to journey with Jesus out into the deep water at nine years old, but you know what I decided to do because I didn't know any better? Just stay on the shoreline and hope that somebody else was launching out. And I did that until I was probably in my mid-20s. But something changed somewhere around 24, 25 years old for me, and I made a decision to start walking with Jesus every day, and I've never been the same since. And time and time again, God's called to us and says, hey, bring the boat out just a little bit further. And so I can't see the bottom of the lake out here. Bring it out a little bit further anyways. Hey, take what you got in the boat and throw it over because I got a plan for you. And say, I, I, I don't know about that. Every single time, God has met obedience with blessing every single time. And he wants to do that for you personally. He wants to do that for our church family this year. But we got to, got to launch out. I'm gonna ask you, would you launch out with our church this year? Would you say, man, I'm committed, lock, stock, and barrel. I'm in. I'm willing to do this. I'm willing to leave my sin behind. I'm willing to leave my fears behind, my anxiety behind to pursue Jesus because I know that he's worth it. It'll be the greatest decision you've ever made in your life. Let's make this year, 2019, the year that we launch out together.